This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, September 6, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellogg. I'm Matthew Moore. Today, educators are growing weary of additional expectations around the LEARNS Act. I think a lot of teachers feel like their plate was full already and it just keeps, they keep heaping on more and more. Uh, lots of people are sticking in there because they, they, they love it. They want to do what's best for children and whew, just be supportive of us, I guess. Plus, Baratunde Thurston's expectations for traveling. Water bottle, check. ID, check. Fully charged cell phone, check. That, that's, some of the, that's some of the mental checklist. The host of American Outdoors with Baratunde Thurston explains why the second season of his PBS program will spend time in Arkansas. And Pura Coco asks strangers about her music. What is this going to be about? Do we want to be a part of this video? And we said, oh, it's just... You're going to be listening to music, and and they took it really well. First, the latest news from NPR. The Alma Education and Arts Foundation presents the Paragon Ragtime Orchestra, the world's only year-round professional ensemble recreating America's original music, September 16th at 4 and 7.30 p.m., at the King Opera House in Van Buren. Guests can experience the original scores live to screenings of three classic silent films. Tickets at 479-632-2129 or scocuspac.org. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art invites art enthusiasts to register for portrait photography with Meredith Mashburn, an eight-week workshop designed for those 55-plus who wish to learn photography and hone their skills creating powerful portraits. Classes September 11th through October 30th. Supplies included, no experience required. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. Later on our show, the return of a familiar voice, Raven Cook. Raven is bringing back Reflections in Black. She'll explain why she wants us all to participate with her. That's in today's second half hour. We start today with education. A group of local politicians and leaders gathered last week in Fayetteville to spend time discussing the concerns and nuances of the omnibus education bill passed by the legislature earlier this year. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth attended the panel discussion and brings us this report. Last Thursday evening, an audience of around 80 people filed into the Fayetteville Public Library Event Center as State Representative Denise Garner and former gubernatorial candidate Chris Jones took the stage. The two joined moderator and Springdale Schools Superintendent Jared Cleveland for a discussion of Arkansas's new education bill, the LEARNS Act. This is the bill, 145 pages. Um, So that's the bill itself uh, on front and back. And the Senate got it two days before we had to pass it. Garner held up a copy of the Omnibus Learns Act, which stands for Literacy, Empowerment, Accountability, Readiness, Networking, and Safety. The panel was hosted by the Northwest Arkansas branch of the NAACP and is the first in what the group hopes will be a series of discussions to help people better understand the sweeping package, which officially became law last month. Kobe Davis is president of the NWA NAACP. We waited to see if the bill would become law, and once it was, we felt like a lot of people in the community, although they've heard about it and they have some sound bites, um, there's a lot of pieces they don't know anything about. And so we wanted a conversation to try to answer some of those questions and hopefully shed some light about those things. Um, 
And I think tonight, tonight is not necessarily significant, um, although it is significant is that the time is never wrong to tell the truth. And so we're just really glad that people could come and, and be a part of the conversation. With Garner, the Democratic state representative for District 20, and Jones, who lost the 2022 governor's race to Sarah Huckabee Sanders as the only panelist, the discussion was skewed to the Democrats' perspective. However, Kobe Davis says the NAACP did reach out to several Republicans to join, but never received confirmation. And so we've invited a few people. Um, We actually invited a lot of people to serve on the panel. Um, But thankfully, these are the ones that have agreed to be here tonight. Uh, The hour-long discussion touched on a range of topics that the LEARNS Act will impact, from literacy rates to teacher pay and possibly the most controversial, school vouchers. I have a real problem with the voucher part of the bill. Representative Denise Garner again. Um, Not because who's educating necessarily, but because there's not enough transparency or accountability. Um, You know, I I think I'm probably okay with just about anybody educating your children, as long as the parents are okay with it, if there's accountability and if there's transparency. The big issue is with utilizing public funds. We're not only accountable to the children and to the parents, but we're also accountable to the communities where those schools are very, very, the public schools are very, very important, and to the taxpayer who is paying money in to educate their children. We have got to be accountable and very transparent, and I don't think this bill um, goes far enough to make that happen. Garner voted against the Learns Act when it came before the House in March, but says she believes some of the ideas in the legislation could improve Arkansas's education system. So I want to do everything I can to make sure that this Learns Act works, whatever that is. And so I think that's why it's, a, it's important to talk about some of those things um, about how to fix the issues or how to um, reinvest or, or invest more into those things that are really working. During the discussion, Jones agreed that some aspects like a focus on improved literacy rates and the hiring of literacy coaches were good, but says he believes there are some elements of the bill that have not been properly addressed. The community service hours, do they start in the ninth grade or do they not start in the ninth grade? Um, the dollars that go with the student. If a student leaves private school and goes back to public school, how do you get the money back to the public school? He also says the lack of public input in the drafting of this bill is also a concern that he's heard from people across the state. They haven't felt engaged in a part of the process. They felt like it it happened in a smoke-filled room with three people and it was decided and it was thrust upon them. Uh, That's what I'm, I'm hearing from folks. And that call for more transparency resonated with much of the audience. Julie Ramsey is an elementary school teacher in Fayetteville and says she doesn't believe the governor or board of education have done enough to prepare teachers for what the new law will mean in the classroom. I still feel like there are so many things about it that I need to know, um, questions that I have. Um, I worry about my students, and I'm not sure how it's going to affect them. I'm not sure how it's going to affect teachers. Um, And so I I still do have a lot of questions. Monique Jones is the vice president of the NWA NAACP and a parent of a Fayetteville student. 
and I have a child with disability, so that definitely was one of the high-level things that I wanted to hear discussed tonight. And you would think that they would be passing information down to the parents so we can understand, and that's not happening. And this confusion is something Davis says he's heard from a lot of people. It's also what he says made the NAACP want to begin this discussion. Right now in our community, we just want to make sure people know. I think there's a lot of people who were not in the room tonight who are highly impacted by what this law has decided and will impact, and, and they just don't even know what's in it. They don't even know how it impacts them and their families. So. And so far, Garner says the LEARNS Act has already had some unintended consequences on education in Arkansas, with many veteran teachers leaving the profession. People are just fed up with uh, not being respected, uh, not being, um, you know, asked about what's going on, um, and they're frustrated. So, yes, I've, I've heard from them several teachers that have said, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And Julie Ramsey, the elementary school teacher from Fayetteville, says this new bill has placed what she believes is unreasonable pressure on teachers. It makes me really sad to see teachers who once really loved the profession think, I'm, I'm finished, I don't want to do it anymore. And I think a lot of teachers feel like their plate was full already and it just keeps, they keep heaping on more and more um, without a lot of answers about do this, but, and we'll explain why later. And so it, it's kind of disheartening and yet uh, lots of people are sticking in there because they, they, they love it. They want to do what's best for children and whew, just be supportive of us, I guess. And while guidelines for the LEARNS Act are still being ironed out, Davis says people can expect to see more panel discussions like this around education, specifically in 2024. Well, typically we like to do um, conversations around election times, obviously. And so around election time, we'll probably have more panels at that time. And Gardner says now is the time for people to ask questions and voice their concerns to Governor Sanders about how this bill is impacting them. She's going to listen to the public. She's going to listen to the voters more than she's going to listen to uh, a Democrat right now. So we've got to hear from teachers and from parents and families and from uh, all the, all the uh, administration to hear what's going on. We don't know what we don't know. And so unless somebody tells us that something's really working well, then we don't know to spend more energy in that. If we don't know that it's not working, then we don't know to, to try to fix it. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Carruth. Teachers and educators throughout the region can apply for $2,500 grants to support technology and programs that promote and enhance students' academic success and educational experience. The grants, totaling $30,000, will be distributed through Cox Charities, an employee-funded program from Cox Communications. Applications can be made through Sunday, October 1st. School administrators, teachers, teaching assistants, and media specialists from pre-K through 12th grade in Northwest Arkansas, Fort Smith, Berryville, Harrison, Eureka Springs, and other Cox-serviced areas can apply at coxcharities.org. All of us want to know what's going on, but only some of us want to know the why. That's where we come in. 1A is a place for the curious, 
daily conversations for those looking to make sense of our world. I'm Jen White. I hope you'll join me next time for 1A. Listen to 1A tomorrow morning from 9 to 11 on KUAF. And in about eight minutes, we'll talk with Baratunde Thurston, host of the PBS program American Outdoors with Baratunde Thurston. To be outside for real, there's another kind of attention that kicks in. And I hear differently. And I, all of a sudden, I smell it. I'm like, I've been here two days. And then why do I smell it now? <laughs> Because I'm actually here. The second season premieres this month, and the second season will include an entire show devoted to Arkansas. Our conversation is ahead. Attention KUAF listeners, your favorite monthly concert series, The Lunch Hour, highlighting local artists and local restaurants, is taking the stage and receiving national recognition, all on NPR live sessions. From the hard-hitting raps about Searcy, Arkansas by Eddie Canyon, to the beautiful electronic classical music by Amos Cochran, not to mention great conversations from artists, restaurant owners, and many more. See some of your favorite local artists sharing a platform with artists like Leon Bridges, Saba, and more. Experience the energy, passion, and talent that's putting Arkansas on the national map. And don't miss out on this extraordinary opportunity to support local music and celebrate KUAF's newfound national recognition. All you have to do is go to NPR Live Sessions and search KUAF. That's NPR slash Live Sessions and search KUAF. The Scott Family Amazium announced last Thursday they've received a $2 million grant from Walmart. $1.5 million of that grant will go to build an outdoor space with flexible rooms that can be used for events. Remainder of the money will go toward updates of the market exhibit within the museum that mimics a grocery store. The updates will reflect existing initiatives and store experiences of Walmart and Sam's Club. There's been an uptick in enrollment at Northwest Arkansas Community College. The school announced that based on preliminary numbers, enrollment has risen more than 7% from the fall semester of last year. The unofficial count of more than 8,400 is also the largest enrollment since 2019. NWAC also counts the highest enrollment of concurrent high school students with more than 2,500. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders is appointing another new member to her cabinet. Leslie Fiskin will be the new Secretary of Transformation and Shared Services. Fiskin will be replacing Joseph Wood, who recently became the chairman of the Republican Party of Arkansas. The Rogers Lowell Chamber is teaming up with the city of Rogers to host Rogers Bike Fest Saturday. At the family-friendly event, riders can traverse paved trails on the 15-plus-mile rail yard loop, or go off-roading on mountain bikes across the 12-plus miles of biking trails surrounding Lake Atlanta. After a day of riding, attendees can chill out and shop for merchandise at Rider Village, located at Frisco Plaza in downtown Rogers. Registration and more information available at the website. And it starts at $10. Last Friday, Arkansas Secretary of State John Thurston announced their office is seeking submissions for a monument commemorating unborn children aborted during the era of Roe v. Wade. The act passed earlier this year and authorizes the Secretary of State to permit and arrange placement on the state capitol grounds a suitable monument remembering thousands of unborn fetuses aborted in Arkansas. The Capital Arts and Grounds Commission will oversee the selection of the artist and design of the monument with input from pro-life groups in Arkansas. The Secretary of State shall have final approval of the selection of the artist and design of the monument selected by the commission prior to construction. Funding for the monument will come entirely from private gifts. The Secretary of State's office says so far no gifts have been made to the fund. Deadline for submissions for the monument, September 30th. 
This weekend, the Riverview Resort and Inspiration Point Fire Association are hosting the Beaver Lake Tailwater Race on the White River. Paddlers are invited to register to race their kayaks and canoes from Dam Site Park to the Little Golden Gate Bridge. Tim Solomson owns Riverview Resort, and he says the public can view the race from various vantage points. And there are several access points. Um, the first one would be at Beaver Dam, where we'll be putting the boats in. The second will be at um, Parker Bottom or any of the campgrounds that have access points along the river. Um, There's uh, coming down from the dam. And then also uh, Bertrand is an access point that you could view the the racers. Of course, here at the River View, we have a, a, a large shoreline where people can line up and watch the people race. And then there's another access point at Hausman Access, about three miles downstream. And then the final and probably best will be also down at Beavertown at the finish line by the Golden Gate Bridge. Novice racers will put in at 9 Saturday morning with expert racers to follow. A float of floats parade follows that. And anybody can participate in that. They'll have to sign up, of course, go to paddleguru.com and look for the, uh, the link for the BLT race on September 9th. And they'll be able to sign up there for the, uh, for the parade and they can show up you know, at 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, to to get signed up and registered, uh, you know, just check in as as you will, and they will be uh, going out after we put out the uh, racers. The event will benefit three different fire departments in the area. The public is invited to watch the race as well as to participate in the float parade. You can find more details on our website, OzarksAtLarge.com. Walton Arts Center's 10 by 10 art series begins Sunday, September 10th at 7 p.m. with Scythian, Ukraine to Appalachia. This foursome brings Celtic, Eastern European, and Appalachian influences together with technical precision, telling musical stories steeped in various folk traditions. Tickets and information at waltonartscenter.org. This is Ozarks at Large, the second season of American Outdoors with Baratunde Thurston, premieres on PBS stations tonight, including Arkansas PBS. In the first episode, Thurston is discovering one of the last wild rivers in the country, the Sewanee. A week from tonight, September 13th, the focus turns to Arkansas. Later this season, Baratunde and his crew will also explore Utah, New Mexico, and other locations. Baratunde is the author of several books, including his memoir, How to Be Black, and he's also the creator and host of the podcast How to Citizen with Baratunde. He also serves as executive producer of American Outdoors with Baratunde Thurston. Last week, we talked by Zoom, and I asked him how he prepares for a journey outside, either for his show or just for his own personal recreation. Water bottle, check. ID, check. Fully charged cell phone, check. That That's some of the, that's some of the mental checklist. It is... Um, I've, I've had so much time in you know the modern world with screens and tech and notifications and apps and it, it's i find it increasingly challenging to be present in the outdoors and so sometimes what happens is like i know i want to go for a hike or we're going to go out to the water and it takes a while to decompress it's kind of like i got to go through an, an airlock or decompression chamber from the modern world, from the hyper technologically connected world to the naturally connected world. And so, you know, there's just this lot, this lag. And so I'm on a fishing boating trip with my wife and her family. 
And it's like, okay, maybe day three, I'm like fully present and enjoying this. And then I become hyper aware. And the way the light, you know, I think it's a, the mental checklist becomes a sensory level of attention that in my day to day, I don't have. I don't really notice my driveway or the sidewalk, or the, I mean, I notice the stoplights enough to adhere to them. But, you know, officer, I definitely noticed the, the stoplight. But I'm not really paying attention most of the time. And then to be outside for real, there's another kind of attention that kicks in. And I hear differently. And I, all of a sudden I smell it. I'm like, I've been here two days. And then why do I smell it now? <laughs> because I'm actually here. So, you know, the the mental checklist is on a delay for me, and it's more of a mental realization after having had enough time in a natural environment to actually notice it. All right, let's go through the airlock the other way. You're returning after you've been smelling and noticing and thinking, and then you're back in a world that that requires screens. Is there something you have to go through to make sure it's not not culture shock, but a little jarring? Must remember to shower. Um, <laughs> that's important. Shaving, important. Not, not not really the most important thing on a fishing trip. And then you jump on a Zoom and you're like, did I wipe my face? <laughs> okay. So that's one. Um, I think, sadly, the, the return to the modern world snaps back pretty quickly. Um, unless I've had a much deeper immersive experience and I haven't had like weeks in the outdoors in a row in a very long time. So, you know, I've talked with people who do, and it's it's slow and it's difficult and emails just are, they all are dumb. Every email is, is dumb, is non-essential. It could be bills, it could be a family member, it could be a picture of a brand new baby, good for you, baby, like I'm here, you know? <laughs> and you won't even know if I saw your picture anyway. So like, this is more for the parents than the baby, like a lot of, you know, kids things. So I think, you know, in my experience with these less intense outdoor things that I've had for work or for play, coming back, there's a little bit more of a questioning that happens. You know, why am I living like this? Is this important? <laughs> I think the most existential, I start to ask, you know, what do I actually need? And, you know, I just, I notice in reverse, as you put it in that reverse airlock, do I need all this stuff? <laughs> what is what I have? Like I'm looking in the corner of my room right now, and there's just like pieces of equipment I haven't touched. Mm. I haven't touched it in two years. Clearly, I don't need it. I think for me, because I can totally relate to that. There is indoor plumbing, and that does <laughs> <laughs> that does yeah. make me feel happy to be that back. Is, that is true. That is true. Yes, all hail indoor plumbing. <laughs> When you're selecting states to investigate and share and explore, is there a method to that? Utah, Arkansas, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. We, we pick the good ones. <laughs> um, yeah, we pick the favorites, the objectively superior regions of the country. So if you haven't been picked yet, work harder. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Step up your game. Tennessee. Um, <laughs> no, we are looking for a few things as we make our selections. Now we're looking for a topographical sort of geological diversity, right? We just need different types of landscapes. 
and waterways and and hills and mountains for the for imagery and and for the culture that is born of that different environment we are looking for regional diversity so that you know we're actually representing and living up to the title of the show america outdoors not new england outdoors not the east coast outdoors not the rocky mountains outdoors the whole it's big this is a big old country so within the budgets of public media we also have to try to be a bit far flung um and then we're looking for different types of stories that every state probably has you know in in some version there's there's some states have a different legacy in terms of their history where enslavement took place right that's that's going to be a deeper story in the south than in new england and so we're going to find that uh and there's some cultural differences in you know hunting and where that happens gun culture um but i don't think oh and then the last thing is is pbs hmm. we got we got there's lobbying that happens from local stations and uh and folks like you got to you got to come, you should check out the Ozarks, you know, <laughs> like why, or, or it might come across as why haven't you been to the Ozarks yet? That, that might've been posed to me as, as a loving, compassionate nudge of a question from, from a, 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 an Arkansan who is very proud, rightfully so, of their state. So we listen to the lobbyists, uh, but never more than the people, just like a good, you know, politician, we, we weigh all this. Um, and we get hit up, you know, increasingly as the show exists, people reach out to me directly on social and they kind of nominate a program that they were a part of or they've heard of, or just a natural feature. I'm like, oh, I've, you've really got to check out these caves. <laughs> and so we put it on the, there's a spreadsheet, caves, we got to go check out the caves in, in uh, whatever state, the, I can't remember. Yeah, those caves actually might've been in Tennessee. You can be by yourself or a crew, obviously, if it's a television show, but it's inclusive, people you know. But you can also come across people that you don't know. And that can, at least for me, make the experience different and often richer. And that's part of nature, right? Other human yeah. beings? Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a great myth that there's humans and then there's nature. That's just, that's not true. We are natural. We are, we are all natural. I mean, we have a lot of synthetic foods and we have medical aids and we have technologies, but we are part of the natural world. And, uh, and we have created a world where we uh, encourage forgetting that. And then we often see nature as this other thing to be extracted from or to be protected at all costs from us. <laughs> but it turns out we we actually fit in pretty well. And so to be in nature with people can be a really beautiful part of the experience. To come, I mean, you, you're sharing common ground. It's not a metaphor anymore. And if you come across somebody on the same river, on the same lake, they're appreciating it and you're appreciating it, then you might've just made a friend. You certainly met a, an ally, a personal colleague, a fellow traveler. And so there's community in the, the people who appreciate nature for similar reasons. Um, and so, yeah, coming across others, you know, can honestly be annoying, right? It can be risky, right? The context matters. But by and large, I take it as a positive sign that, oh, we're both in the right place. 
and and I see some there's something about you that I already like because you're right here. <laughs> we don't want to give too much away from the September 13th airing of the Arkansas episode, but just a small hint of what we'll see. Oh yeah, I'm I'm happy to go okay. beyond hints. Okay, That's all right. Whole thing. Yeah, it's because you can't. It's a TV show, so it's best experienced through vision. Uh, if you have the gift of sight, this is the best mode. So me talking about it, <laughs> not quite a spoiler, um, but I, I respect your respect for that for that line. And thank you. We were in the air uh, with Fly Oz, uh, a group that makes landing strips more accessible, makes the backcountry more accessible by working with private landowners to uh, allow people with these small aircraft to land. And I spent some time in Richland Creek, specifically Richland Creek. Man, I'll tell you a couple of things that blew me away. I had I had the best outhouse experience of my life. Uh, there was, I don't know who built that outhouse, but yo, you got to get to Richland Creek, man, because it's like, it, you, you spoke so highly of indoor plumbing. And yet, uh, this composting toilet with solar power, the most hygienic, good smelling. And then if you leave the door open, and you can, because there's not that many people around, you get the best view from the toilet. It is the <laughs> best toilet view that I've ever seen. And it just I, sometimes when I've got to go to the bathroom, like, I wish I could get back to Richland Creek and use that outhouse, man. Hmm. So yeah, that's something, that's a bonus because we don't feature the outhouse in the show at all. That's just <laughs> a special gift from, from me to you and your listeners at KUAF. Um, meaningful time, uh, fly fishing with the Mayfly Project. I spent a day with foster kids. This whole season has a lot more kids in it than the first season. And, oh, kids are great. I mean, sometimes they're terrible, but, but they can be so great. And these kids who've been through so much, uh, finding mentorship through positive adult relationships through the Mayfly Project, finding confidence, finding meditation, finding ease and peace in terms of fly, what fly fishing is, that experience and the patience and the casting and the waiting and just standing in the water, the dappling of the sunlight on the ripples of the, man. And then we, and then we roasted marshmallows together, <laughs> which is always fun with a group of kids or a group of adults. Right. I, I've had marshmallows multiple times this season. I've eaten so much more this season. Uh, which is which is really nice. So those two, um, but also I, I have a powerful, literally powerful experience firing shotgun with Kaylee Browning, a U.S. Olympian. I don't have a deep history with guns. In fact, I have a largely negative association with guns. That was a educational, uh, eye-opening experience. And you all will have to be the judge. I think I might be quite good. Uh, I think it's possible that I could be like the John Wick of my era. I, I'm not, you know, it's, I'm going out on a limb a little bit. There's a little. You said little it was arrogant. possible. You said it was possible. It's possible. But I just want to leave the, the door open to the possibility <laughs> that I had some fun out there, and I and there was there was some emotion to it in both directions. Uh, and certainly, speaking of emotion, my time in Elaine mm -hmm. uh, in the in the Delta, it's uh, a very small town which has. It's very painful history and very promising future. Uh, site of a very large, pro probably the largest racial massacre took place in Elaine 
not really talked about. I'd never heard of it. And I know, sadly, about a lot of racial massacres in this country's history. It's part of another job I've had and a part of who I am and, and how I relate to this country. So that was shocking, um, the experience we had in Elaine. And it was ultimately gloriously beautiful and just heartening to see the power to like merge our histories to see nature as an opportunity to bring economic development you know because of people enjoying nature not just kind of extracting from nature uh, the opportunity for this kind of multiracial existence which we've been trying for for so long in this country um, and to see the attempts being made there by the people, by the, the new, new mayor in particular, I, I left feeling hope. And ultimately, that is the value of getting out, right? Yeah. Is finding out about Elaine or Roar, where there was a Japanese concentration camp, or the next state over. And you can sometimes, you're not going to find it in a book or in your classroom. You might only find it if you adventure out. That's right. I mean, books and classrooms are important. And no, we should, I agree. We should teach these things and we should experience. And I think there is, um, it's the highest learning possibility. It's not always available. You know, everybody can't travel around like I do uh, with a film crew, no less. <laughs> and somebody else, you know, to carry some of your heavier stuff. Um, but the experience that we can have with each other is already to the experience we have without each other in terms of just being with other people. But the experience we have in nature, I think it's literally grounding. I think it's, it's if you're in the woods with someone, if you're on a boat with someone, if you're on a horseback with someone, if you're on a bike with someone, you're just in sync in a different way. You're kind of like on the same wavelength. Even, even if you're disagreeing and arguing about something serious, you know, like a football game or something light, like gun policy, you know, like there's just a different way to relate over that disagreement uh, in, in nature and to deepen the respect that you might have for each other uh, and for the for the earth that provides for us all. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for doing the show. I can't wait to see Arkansas, Utah, New Mexico. It's going to be fun. And um, I hope there's a season three. Thank you so much for that. Let me know what you think. Right. Uh, and if you listen out here, if you got me, if we said something wrong, <laughs> I'm open to here. I'm open to the criticism. Just you know, be fair. But you know, I, I want to be better too. So this is a a, a big opportunity, a big responsibility, um, and I take it seriously. And I have a lot of fun doing it. So thank you to all the Arkansans who opened up their lives to me, uh, and thank you, Kyle, for this time together. Baratunde Thurston is host and executive producer of the PBS series American Outdoors with Baratunde Thurston. The second season premieres tonight on PBS stations, including Arkansas PBS, with an episode highlighting the Sewanee River. The season's second episode, airing one week from tonight, will be set in Arkansas. Baratunde Thurston and I spoke last week. Republicans are bidding for a larger share of America's black vote. The Republican Party as a whole need to get back to the basics of talking about policy. How a young Republican Party chairman plans to flip Democratic districts in Alabama on the next Morning Edition from NPR News.
Morning edition tomorrow morning from 5 to 9 on KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. We welcome the return of a familiar voice to Ozarks at Large today. For a couple of years before and during the pandemic, Raven Cook delivered Reflections in Black for us. Each edition focused on a black scientist, pioneer, artist, statesperson, or community leader. And a new series of Reflections in Black episodes are going to be heard here again about every other week or so. This time, though, Raven says she's doing something a little bit different. For this inaugural return, she discusses a bit about where she was on radio with the first episodes and where she wants us all to go with her this time. Hi, everyone. It's Raven. I just wanted to create a sonic space over the airwaves where I could share some things on my mind. First, I wanted to say thank you to everyone that listens. Thank you to everyone who has told me how much the show meant to them and encouraged me to keep teaching. I see you, I hear you, and I appreciate every interaction. I also want to take a moment to thank KUAF for giving space to tell our stories. Thank you to Lee and to Kyle for supporting me in this endeavor. Secondly, I'd like to take a moment and share a little bit about the origins of the show and introduce you to the question, why do we reflect? In 2019, I was invited to create a segment that would educate on Black American history. I had already been teaching Black history in the area for some time and trying to work to embed the messages of inclusion into different organizations I was a part of. But radio? That was a higher vibration. Literally. (laughs) I went to my first teacher, my inspiration for all that I do, my mom and asked her to help me name the show and pick out some sounds to play as the introduction. My mom asked me to give her some words describing how I think about history. So I started, uh, hope, no, maybe past, no, ebony. I began to get frustrated. I want people to see something and grow, I explained. I... I want people to um, um, reflect, my mom said. I paused. Reflect? Why not reflect black or reflection in black? That's it. I jumped up. That's it. We agreed. Yeah, that's it. There was something extraordinary about the word reflect, not just because it started with an R, like my name. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it was an action that felt poetic, introspective. It had a legacy to me. Words have power. They can build worlds or destroy them. Words that tell of our history are even more powerful. The things we say about our ancestors have to teach us and give us tools to learn while also ensuring that we see humanity in each person who, was, who lived and strived to make an impact. Reflection in Merriam-Webster's dictionary has a multitude of definitions. There are approaches from the sciences, engineering, and English. But I am drawn to the definition that says, a thought, idea, or opinion formed or a remark made as a result of meditation. Meditation would suggest a contemplation period a concept that makes you think and sticks with you, perhaps even a thought that can build your awareness. 
My last goal today is to introduce you to the show, a new sound, questions to lead every segment, and more ways to think about these figures not only as people who work to make our world better, but provide you with tools to see injustice and make your voice heard as well. The show will think more intentionally about equity and call out contemporary issues that the individuals we spotlight fought to combat. The question I began with was why do we reflect? We reflect because we have to. In a world where teachers can no longer teach histories free from fear of offending, in a country that has certain states using the words slavery and benefit in the same sentence, in a country where legacies of violence against people of color can be ignored through songs perpetuating violence, on a planet getting hotter and the minoritized communities living in the areas most impacted by climate change because of centuries of inequity, and in a country rolling back protections at the federal level fought for during the eras of the figures we discuss, we must reflect. We must meditate and consider the available tools to continue the work of those we discuss on the show. James Baldwin once wrote, history is not past, it's present. We carry our history with us. We are our history. The act of reflection is who we are. How will you move forward when hearing a tool or an idea that can effectively combat the systems of oppression that impact each of us? Will you share what you've learned, join an organization, or go to the library and perhaps do more research? All of your steps after hearing this reflection matter. So let's go on a journey together find the tools, and continue to build a better world. Until next time, peace. Raven Cook creates Reflections in Black for KUAF and Ozarks at Large. Great to have you back on the air with us, Raven. That song is Sunday Morning, written and performed by Pura Coco. She'll be performing at the conclusion to the KUAF Summer Concert Series event, Lunch All Day, at the Medium in downtown Springdale. Others who will be on stage on September 16th will be Old Man Saxon, Eddie Canyon, and Tylo May. This is all free from 11 to 4. You can find more information at KUAF.com. Coco, Pura Coco actually has performed at a lunch hour inside the uh, yeah, the KUAF lobby here. studios, the lobby. Yeah, yeah, she was fantastic. So good. One of the first ones, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that was when it was like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, right. Late last month, she came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, and I asked her about her performances and how she so easily connects with those of us watching and listening to her. We're friends because ultimately I want everybody who's watching the show to never feel alone. And, and that's why I show so much emotion throughout all of my music and and I'm I don't want to say raw but <laughs> um those those are really raw emotions that I have in my songs vulnerable yes. perhaps um 
is that something that first attracted you to music or is that something that you discovered after you started singing? That's something I discovered afterwards. I, I, my first song was definitely a heartbreak song. And um, I didn't know how to be vulnerable until I was in theater and we began telling our own stories. And I, and I really enjoyed hearing other people's stories. Your music might tell your story, but when any kind of art, right, whether it's visual or musical or literature, when it really succeeds is when I think you're telling me my story. Mm-hmm. Do you think about that when you're writing? I definitely do. I try to keep it broad enough. And I think that that's what, <laughs> like, for example, uh, Ladybug. Everybody is like, oh, my gosh, we all have that one relationship, that situationship that... Um, Sadly, for a lot of women and for a lot of girls. You say that you love me, and I say I do too. But when I check her story, I always see you. Do you think I don't care? Do you still want me here? You say she's your ex. You say I'm what's next. Why don't you see my point of view? I can't seem to get across. So I try to keep it broad enough to where they can still connect to the song. When did you first really think that music and performance and this sort of thing could be for you? Probably about three years ago. Oh, I thought you were first going to say when you were three, but three years ago. What Was there something that that clicked was there honestly it was just seeing how many people loved my music before that I just saw it as a hobby as something that I was good at and it was the immense support that I had within the community that really allowed me to take that step that leap of faith talking about music and allowing yourself to be vulnerable through music I can't think of much more that requires more vulnerability than getting in front of people the first or second time or maybe the fifth (laughs) I don't know or that 500th Right. Did you have to, I don't know, I'm not a performer, so I don't know how this works. Did you have to psych yourself up? Did you just say, okay, I'm going to go up here and... Oh, are you are you talking about like the first time that I performed? Yeah. Oh, the first time I performed was, it was primarily because of my mom. She she noticed that I was a good singer and she, she said, oh, you should be in the talent show. And I think I, I might have been in first grade. And it made her so proud, so I continued doing it. And... I loved how it was something that I wasn't used to, and I got so nervous. And for some reason, I love that. <laughs> so I continued doing it, and I even did public speaking for some time. And because of public speaking, shout out to Rogers New Technology High School, because they required us to, to do public speaking. Um, because of that, I just continued to to work up the courage of of being in front of an audience and being able to to know that they want to hear what I'm what I'm talking about. There's a great series uh, of videos on Instagram where you're uh, going up to students on the University of Arkansas campus, and I love this. Speaking about being allowing yourself to be vulnerable, because you the synopsis is you you find a student and say, "Hey, I'm from this independent record label. And I want you to hear this song that we're promoting." You never tell them at the beginning that it's you Mm -hmm. singing 
What was the impetus behind doing these visits with strangers? You know, you've really done your research. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, we've been wanting to do it for some time. And it's kind of been a trend that's been going on is going to university students and asking them different questions. So some of them were, they were like, oh, what, what is this going to be about? Do we want to be a part of this video? And we said, oh, it's just, you're going to be listening to music. And, okay. and they took it really well. Do you listen to R&B? Not typically. Like, when you say indie record label, I was expecting, like, something totally different. But this is nice. I love this. What do you usually listen to? I listen to a lot of, like, classic rock and, like, Queer country music. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Is this you singing? It is. You it have is a very nice too. voice. Thank you. They're currently shazamming it. That's insane. Yeah, so this is me. Oh, that's uh, you. Yeah. Oh my God, you're so talented. Thank you. What the mess? <laughs> and honestly, we had we had a really good amount of people that love the music. And I think the first few go arounds, it was like really nerve wracking. I was like, oh, are they gonna want to hear it? You know, because some of them are going to classes, but. It, we had a good amount of people that really loved it. And I even found some professors that, that recognized me. <laughs> you mean recognize your voice or the song or? Or no, recognized me, like my oh, face. That's awesome. They were like, wait, you, you were in my class, right? And so I, I love that. Do you feel at ease when you're singing in front of people? No. <laughs> um, no. I will say... I won't feel at ease, but I love doing it. And I, and I think a lot of people understand that because you get nervous, but that fuels you to continue going. Bit of adrenaline or mm-hmm. I'm no psychologist or scientist, but maybe some dopamine. Yes, absolutely. It's like whenever you're doing a, a new trick on a skateboard or something. What's it like when you're done and that applause and people are telling you how much they enjoy it? What's that like? It feels really rewarding. It really does. And there's been multiple times where I've been on stage and I, I stop for a second. I think, oh, my gosh. I'm able to get paid for something that I love doing and people come out to support because they enjoy hearing it. Thank you so much for coming in. Absolutely. This has been a joy. Thank you, Kyle. Coco will be performing at KUAF's Lunch All Day event that takes place Saturday, September 16th at The Medium in downtown Springdale. The festival from 11 until 4 that day is free and will also include performances from Old Man Saxon, Joe West, and Tylo May. The show is the conclusion to the KUAF Summer Concert Series sponsored by McDonald's. You can find out more at KUAF.com. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, the economy in Fort Smith. For years, it was reliant on manufacturing and industry. But a culture around arts and humanities is sprouting up. There are are local people that are concerned that as we move forward, that we're going to forget the past. That's impossible to forget. And it needs to be honored. And this painting by John Bell Jr. is an example of how one of the ways that we will honor our past while we trailblaze a path forward. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope takes us around town tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. on KUAF Public Radio. In the days to come, the journalism of KUAF is what you'll continue to count on. 
as we all work together to revitalize education, rebuild the community, reimagine workplaces, reform civic institutions, and to take on climate change with the urgency it requires. KUAF exists to be responsive to you, not to the pull of higher ratings. KUAF reports to and for the public we serve. Because public service is the bedrock on which all of KUAF rests, public support, your support, is fundamental to keeping KUAF editorially independent and strong. Without you, there is no KUAF. So please donate today at supportkuaf.com. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Dora. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Daniel Carruth, Jack Travis, Jacqueline Froelich, and Raven Cook. Matthew produced the show in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Matthew, today, Dictionary.com announced that they are adding 300 new words to their website. 300? Yeah. Okay. Uh, John, J-A-W-N. Do you know what that is? Uh, John is apparently a hip way of saying thing of a jig. If you don't know what to call oh. something in an instant, hey, will you put, will you give me those Johns or whatever? Interesting. How about shower orange? No. I had only heard this recently, and I didn't know what it was until today when I got this press release. Shower orange is, honest to goodness, an orange you eat in a steamy shower. The idea uh. being the steam releases more of the citrus taste. See, I've had a shower beer. <laughs> But I've never had yeah. a shower orange. No. Others included um, were like... Uh, Hang on. Have you never had a shower beer? I haven't. Oh, it's life-changing, Kyle. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I don't know. I think I would drop it. Um, other things like climate criminal, climate refugee have been added. So there you go. We're, language always changing. It is. It's great. We're not changing. We're back tomorrow at noon and 7. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for being with us. The final concert of the KUAF Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series with McDonald's Lunch All Day takes place September 16th at 704 South Washington Avenue in Fayetteville beginning at 7 p.m. Lunch All Day will be an all-day celebration with previous Lunch Hour performers Pura Coco, Eddie Canyon, Old Man Saxon, and others. For details or to reserve your tickets, KUAF.com slash summer concerts. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art invites art enthusiasts to register for portrait photography with Meredith Mashburn, an eight-week workshop designed for those 55-plus who wish to learn photography and hone their skills creating powerful portraits. Classes September 11th through October 30th. Supplies included, no experience required. Tickets at crystalbridges.org.